This is the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. Hi, I'm Pastor Dominic. Welcome to Elevate, the student ministry of Living Word Church, where we exist to exalt Christ, make disciples, and equip the saints. Thank you for sharing some of your time with us today. May it elevate Jesus and encourage you. Let's get started. We exist, we live and breathe for one purpose and one purpose only, to elevate you guys sound great. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm pumped to be here with you tonight. We have an incredible word for you tonight, and it's not because of me. It's because God's word reaches into our hearts every time. We've been talking our way through the book of Colossians, and it's been really interesting. I know I've learned a lot. I hope you guys have too. And we are right now in a section where Paul has unpacked what it means to be in Christ. To be in Christ means that through him, our old person has died, been buried, and resurrected to new life in Christ Jesus because of what he did at the cross, making us new creations. Our old selves have died. They're gone. They're passed away. All the old sin, the weight, the suffering, the anxiety, our old selves are gone. But our new selves are born in Christ as new creations, in relationship with the Father. And if you've made the decision in here to give your life to Jesus, to make him your master, if he has saved you, then that is your status. That's your identity. This is who you are now. You have been converted. You were one kind of file, and now you're an entirely different kind of file. You went from PC to Mac. Is there an amen? One of the the coolest examples that we see in nature, and you're not going to be shocked, is the caterpillar. This bug that awkwardly crawls slowly goes through metamorphosis in the chrysalis, the the cocoon, and is entirely transformed from the inside out. Its own skin, it hangs from a branch and it it rolls into a J-shape, and its own skin expands to become the cocoon so that all of its insides digest themselves into essentially a gooey soup and then it's remade reformed and comes back within the shell of what used to be its old skin as an entirely new creature what used to awkwardly crawl and was bound by gravity is now beautiful and flies what a what a great example of metamorphosis what a great example of what Paul is talking about that we are putting off The old man, the old woman is gone. We have been metamorphosized out of that. It's done. And yet something new, because of what Jesus has done in us through his Holy Spirit, something new and beautiful, something that is no longer bound to the weight of old sin, emerges. Something that is free, something that is righteous and holy before God, comes out of this process because of what Jesus has done. Thank you, Lord, for the metamorphosis of a believer. So we've been talking about these internal qualities, that the internal qualities that we discussed last week at length were compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness. But just like a butterfly is distinguished from a caterpillar because of its beauty, a believer is distinguished by their love. Love is the paramount quality that ties all the other qualities together. But these are internal qualities. 
But although they're internal qualities, they don't stay hidden. They bleed out. They, they seep out through the character of a Christian. What do they look like on the outside? What does the world see when they look at a believer? They see, number one, they see the peace of Christ. That's what we're going to look at tonight first, is the peace of Christ. Second is the word of Christ. And third is the life of Christ. So turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. I'm excited to pick up with you guys. We're going to start in verse 15. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Let's rewind a little bit since this is all one section that we had to break into two. Let's begin in verse 12. Put on then. All right, let's pause right there. First of all, he just went through a long list of put off. These are the things that are part of our old lifestyle. And now, like talking about clothes, like get rid of the old dirty rags of who used to be. Now put on the robes of Christ. So verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones. Holy and beloved, God loves you and he's made you holy. He put, put on compassionate hearts. Put on kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Now let's begin tonight. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So this idea of peace, I love the way Romans 5.1 puts it. It says that since we have been justified by faith, we've come to Christ through faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, peace has two different connotations. One peace is calm and security. But right here, this connotation in Romans 5.1 is talking about how we were enemies of God. There was war between us. We wanted to be on the throne of our hearts. We want to live our lives our own way. And yet God, as creator of the universe, and who created us as the potter of the vessel, he gets to win. And he will. He has all authority and all power. And we fight against him tooth and nail to have our way. And Jesus, through his cross, reaches out and changes the heart of a rebel into a heart of someone who is submissive to God who goes from being a slave to sin to a servant of God, and then God takes a servant and makes them into a daughter or a son. What a beautiful process. And so we go from being an enemy with God to being at peace with God. And with that peace comes every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. What does this word rule mean? Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That's an interesting idea. Peace rules. That it has authority, that it... Uh, is in charge of something, in command. Let peace rule in your hearts. The word comes from the idea of a referee or an umpire. You know, back in Greece, they had a whole lot of like Olympic games and competitions. Imagine the person that is making sure that the game goes well and decides the, out, the outcome of the game. So may peace 
umpire, referee your hearts. What is this talking about? That peace rules in our hearts. The peace of Christ guides believers in making decisions. Out of his love, Christ has given us holiness, righteousness. Imagine yourself clothed in the whitest tuxedo or the whitest gown. Just beautiful. How would you guard it? People are like, oh, I'm going to sip this Coke. And you're like, no, you're not. You're going to go over that, that side of the room. Someone's like, I'm making spaghetti tonight. I don't think so. I'm not coming to your house. There's like a puddle out in the yard. And you're like, nope, staying on the pavement. How would you guard it? Our relationship with Jesus is so much more valuable than white clothes. Our relationship with Jesus that was earned and fought for and won for us at the cross through his taking our sin on himself so that we can have a relationship with a God who loves us that much. I don't know if you've ever loved a friend or a sibling. I don't know if you've ever loved someone so much that you would guard that relationship with your life. That this person was so important to you that you would never say anything that was going to hurt them. You would guard your mouth because you care about them. You care about this relationship. You don't want anything to sully this. You don't want anything to be between you. Maybe you've felt like that before. How much more the God who loves you so much that would step out of heaven so he could bring you to himself. This is a relationship of believers that's worth fighting for. And so when we're talking about the peace of God that rules our hearts, that relationship with God, that we walk in peace with him, in unity with him, that everything is good when we're with him, that peace is worth fighting for. So we begin to make decisions. Lord, will doing this please you? Because if it won't, I don't want it. I don't want to do anything that's going to ruin our peace. I don't want to do anything that's going to, going to have even an inkling of rebellion against you. I love you so much. Well, well, wearing this, doing this, saying this, going there, well, what I'm going to do next, is this going to please you or is it going to displease you? How can I constantly walk in this relationship with you? Let the peace of Christ rule. Let it referee, let it guard our decisions that we make. Paul alludes to this in 1 Corinthians 6. He's talking about sexual immorality, sexual sin of all kinds. And he says this, he says, he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. There's that beautiful relationship. Flee from sexual immorality. Flee anything that's going to endanger this, this one spirit with our God, this relationship with him. And then also, this idea of peace is rest. It is protection insecurity. Jesus says it in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let your hearts not be troubled, neither let them be afraid. There was a teacher, an art teacher, who had all of her students paint a picture of peace. And so there was paintings of a hammock by a beach. There was another painting of mountains and there's a little cabin all alone out there. This is where I'd feel peaceful. But there was one student that was different than all the rest. His painting was of a thunderstorm with torrential rain and lightning cutting across it and darkness all over it. And in the midst of the thunderstorm was the nest. 
and this little mama bird with her wings outstretched over sleeping chicks. When we're talking about the peace of Christ, it does not mean our circumstances are great, that our skies are blue and we're dancing and riding unicorns all day. No, a Christian experiences peace in storms, in pain, in suffering, when things don't go our way. Don't let any preacher ever tell you that everything goes great as soon as you give your life to Jesus. It's a lie. The New Testament, if you read it for yourself, is preparing a believer for suffering. You will experience difficulty. And you will experience a God who gathers his people under his wings to give them rest. My peace I give to you is what Jesus says. I love the fuller context of Philippians 4. Let's look at it together. This is worth looking at, worth underlining, highlighting, putting a star by it. Philippians chapter 4, just go backwards a little bit. What a beautiful picture of peace he lays out for us. Philippians chapter 4, we're going to start in the second half of verse 5. You'll see that verse 5 has a sentence, and then it begins a second sentence. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication. So we can bring our concerns, our anxieties, our fears, our worries, we can bring those to the Lord. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This word guard is a military term of defense. So you have this thunderstorm in your life and it's beating against you and you have a God of defense that's guarding your peace. And it's a peace that doesn't measure up to human understanding. It doesn't measure up to what we can calculate. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. That kind of peace. We have peace because the very first line, the Lord is at hand. He's near us. He's covering us. Thank you, Lord, for your peace. So let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let's keep going. Colossians 3, verse 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. This peace ruling in our lives, this unity with God that was won at the cross, where we're no longer at war with him, gives us unity with each other. Ephesians 4, 4 through 6, gives us a picture of this unity. It says that there is one body one spirit, just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and in all. You see, the church is an incredible melting pot of people. I'll be honest, most of the people that I'm around every day, I would not have hung out with in high school. They're not the people that I naturally gravitate to. On a Sunday morning, I look around, there's like one, two people in the whole room that I'd be like naturally, easily friends with. And yet, so many of the people that are in this room that are different from me, that come from different backgrounds, that think differently than me, that have different preferences, different histories, we all love each other because we're a family 
We're, our attention is not on our differences. Our attention is what we do have in common, and that is one Lord in one spirit, that we were saved by Jesus, making us all have the most important thing in life and an important thing in eternity in common. And so the church of God is united across the world in every language. You know how cool it is to go to a different country and they do communion and you know exactly what's happening? Because even though you don't understand the language, we're one in the body. It's so beautiful that we are united through the peace that we have with God. Verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. So before the caterpillar's transformation, this caterpillar lived to consume. It ate grass. It ate leaves. Whatever gravity was holding it down to, it was eating. But then it has become a new creation. It's been totally transformed. And now this creature will never eat leaves again. It will never be bound to what gravity is holding it to. This creature will now fly from flower to flower, drinking something so much sweeter than a leaf or grass. Moving from the nectar of one flower to the nectar of another flower. And I have such good news for you, if you can grab a hold of this, that we're used to be consumed with what this world was always pushing we used to feed on social media. We used to feed on what they said we needed and what they said gave us fulfillment. And it was always about pursuing the next thing that felt good or pursuing having a better reputation or pursuing the next girl or the guy or whatever it is. And we crave this stuff. And this is what we eat up for our nourishment. And it leaves us even hungrier than we were before. But now as new creations in Christ, we have a meal that's so much sweeter. We have the very words of God right here in this book. Right here, coming out of the mouth of Jesus Christ himself, God in flesh, we have a sweeter meal. And where before a leaf was empowering a caterpillar to awkwardly crawl, God's word empowers his people to live differently, to live higher, to live holy, to live set apart, no longer bound by gravity or our old cravings. God's word dwells in us richly. David says in Psalm 119, what a beautiful psalm. It's long, which makes it fun because you can break it up over multiple days. He says, with my whole heart, I seek you. Where does he seek the Lord? He says, let me not wander from your commandments. Right here, this is where he's seeking the Lord. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So he's storing God's word in his heart and it prevents him from sin. 119.103 says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey. David has discovered a new nectar being in God. 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet, a light in my path. God's word gives us direction. 114 says that you are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. He finds his peace in God's word. 162 says, I rejoice at your word like one who finds a great treasure. Verse 165 says, great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. Security in God's word. Our appetites have changed. 
According to Time magazine, someone once spent $150,000 in 2012 to own a single hair of Elvis Presley. Imagine that. What do you do when you receive that? You're, do, do you sniff it? <laughs> like, what do you, yay. You put it in a little display case, right? And hope that it's like a conversation starter. You know? Well, this, 115 grand right here. Oh no, you'll have to get closer. <laughs> and no, you can't see it from there. And yet God's word does not belong in a display case. Its word is not just for our benefit or our nourishment. It's for so much more than just putting it on display. It's more than a conversation starter. God's word is for our instruction. It is a guide. It teaches us. It corrects us. That's what admonishment is, is giving correction or giving warning. It's our guide for life. And it dwells in a believer, this verse says. It's critical for our, for our life. It guides us, directs us, leads us. It gives us instruction and truth. It warns us of consequences. It corrects our behavior. 2 Timothy says the same thing. 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable by teaching for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. This is a key purpose for God giving us his word, is to teach us and to correct us. So here's a question you might not have thought about lately. Here's just a little bit of insight of how our God works. He never blesses you for the sake of that blessing stopping with you. That's not how it works. God will always bless so that we can be a blessing. And we're talking about God's word that it is for teaching and correction, teaching and admonishment. Who in your life, who has God put in your life that you are through God's word to teach and even to correct? Do you have an accountability in your life? Do you have an accountability partner that you're regularly checking in on each other? that you're working through scripture together, holding each other accountable? Is there a younger sibling that God put in your life? Is if you have a younger sibling, go ahead and accept it. You don't need a voice from God. You don't need a special dream. You don't need any, any fancy vision to give you a clue. If you have a younger sibling in your life, it is your role in your home to be teaching them through God's word. Right here. To be constantly pointing it back to it. Who's in your life? Is there an underclassman you have a relationship with? Is there an underclassman you should have a relationship with because God's working through you? That's discipleship. Jesus didn't say, go out into all the earth and camp. Go out into all the earth and have a Bible study for yourself. No, go into all the world and teach them all that I've taught you. Disciple them. That's Jesus' instruction. And if you're not functioning in that, then you're not a Christian bearing fruit. That's the sign of maturity. Is reproduction. Is someone else loving Jesus more and more as much as you do because of your influence in their life? It's a sign of maturity. So I'll leave that challenge there.
maybe you'll be daring enough to ask the Lord who that might be? Dare you. All right, let's keep going. Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another. It's not for us, it's for one another. In all wisdom, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiveness in your hearts to God. Wow. Now, I don't think, one commentary told me this, I don't think that he listed these three different kinds of songs because we're supposed to figure out what each one means. Like, oh, I wonder what category this Sunday morning song is in. The idea is that he's put it in triplicate. It's supposed to be an emphasis. It's supposed to be like, whoa, Paul, this is a whole lot of singing you're talking about. He's unpacking that we are, that singing is a beautiful expression of our worship to him. And we're singing, not like songs that we made up, what, look what the verse is attached to. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We're singing God's word. That's what spiritual songs are. That's what hymns are. That's what psalms are. We're singing God's word back to him. And isn't it so cool that God would use the universal language of music that we all enjoy? He gives us a way of worshiping him that we get to enjoy. I love that. That's, that's how cool our God is. God's word nourishes us, guides us, corrects us, and it's a form of worship that pleases him. In fact, in the New Testament, there are examples of songs that the early church sang. Like the earliest Christians, those who knew the apostles, probably rubbed elbows with Jesus. Songs that they sung together. And you're going to look at those in your e-groups. Uh, they're coming from Philippians 2, 6 through 11, 1 Timothy 3, 16, Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, and 1 Peter 2, 22 through 25. You'll take a look at some of those songs. And, and your leaders are going to ask you, like, what do these have in common? What is the focus of these songs? Let's see what the beauty of these songs are. But songs that are only sung by our mouth are worthless. They're just a waste of air and a waste of energy. Matthew Henry says that we sing psalms, or when we sing songs, we make no melody unless we sing with the grace of our hearts. If we're not singing with gratefulness, if we're not singing with our attention on God, on his love for us, then we're wasting our air. On Wednesday nights or Sunday mornings, if you're just like reading the words, going through, there's no brain activity happening, we're just distracted, and we're just wasting air. No, we're singing these songs with thankfulness in our hearts to God. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 15, 7 through 9. He says, you hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me. So what do people see when they look at a genuine believer? They see the peace of Christ all over them. They see the word of Christ leading their lives. And they hear the word of Christ in thankful praise. And third, verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks to God the Father through him. Man, what an awesome God we serve. Doing everything 
the most obvious change between caterpillar and butterfly is visual. It goes from like this awkward, homely little thing into something that spreads its wings and beautiful. No intelligent person has ever looked at a, at a caterpillar and been like, oh, that's a butterfly. Like, no, obviously it's not. The life of a believer changes entirely. When someone looks at, some, at, at a Christian whose life has been transformed by God, by the work of Christ, by the Holy Spirit inside of them, by God's word leading their lives, they don't look the same anymore. There, there's no such thing as an undercover Christian. There's just an apathetic human. God's people are known by looking and sounding like Jesus Christ. This is the most basic guide for Christian life, that whatever we do in word or deed, we do everything to promote, to magnify, to glorify the name of Jesus Christ. You know, so many people spend so much time looking for their purpose in life. I wonder what I'm here for. I'm just trying to find me, man. No, people talk like that in the 60s, not now. I've got great news for you. Scripture gives us a very clear purpose. And it doesn't revolve around you or I at all. You, you don't have to worry about figuring out why you're here. We know. It's just not about you. It's not about me. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says that whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, all-encompassing, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. This is how Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your name be made holy. May your name be set apart from every other name on earth. How? Through God's people representing his name. Did you know that in the Ten Commandments, we, we quote, uh, don't take the Lord's name in vain, right? And we're like, oh, you know, kick something. Oh, God, that hurt. And you're like, oh, don't take his name in vain. I mean, don't do that. Don't use God's name as a cuss word. But that's not what it's talking about at all. It means take, like you pick up a baggage that you're going to the airport. I'm taking God's name. So it has to do with you are carrying God's name on your shoulders. Will you carry it in vain? Will people look at you and have no idea who your God is? Or they look at you and see a false representation of who God is? Or they look at you and see that's what the love of Jesus looks like. That's what the peace of Christ looks like. That's what the word of God acted out in word and deed looks like. How are you carrying the name of Jesus Christ in your life? There was a missionary walking along a beach near where he was working. And there was a kid and the mother coming the other way, people that he'd worked with. And he heard the kid look up to the mom and say, hey, there's the Jesus man. And it hit him really profound. He thought like, how could I ever be worthy that I could be called the Jesus man? What do Jesus and I have in common? And that's a question we need to ask ourselves. What do we and Jesus have in common? Because according to Colossians 1, 2, and 3, we're new creations. We should have a whole lot in common because we've been transformed by God's word, by the Holy Spirit inside of us because of the work that he did at the cross. Believers should so clothe themselves with Jesus Christ that when people look at them, they see Jesus. In the last part of the verse, giving thanks to God the Father through him. 
if you skim back through the three verses that we read, three times it mentions thanks. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. That didn't land for some of you. Give thanks in all circumstances. All of them. Yeah, that one too. Why? Because our circumstances are not where we know our peace. We know our peace because we know Jesus. We find rest in all circumstances. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Our heartbeats have a rhythm. And when their rhythm, when, uh, rhythm is out of sync with what they're created for, our life starts getting off-center and we feel anxiety. And that rhythm is gratefulness to a living, loving God. And when our gratefulness, our thankfulness begins to get offbeat, then we experience anxiety. Then we experience depression. Then life feels like it's falling apart and not under the peace of Christ. I don't think it's ever happened, but if Joel ever went way off beat on the drums, we would all be like, right? Like, oh man, that poor guy, you know? See, I know what that feels like because I actually get off beat all the time when I used to drum. It's painful. Everyone looks at you, it's terrible. When that rhythm of thankfulness in a believer's life becomes a rhythm of complaining, of our own sob story, of blowing up balloons to our own pity party, then it begins to throw everything else off. But we live in peace when we live in gratefulness. So I gotta ask you, do you spend more time, do you spend a greater number of words on complaining or do you spend a greater number of words on appreciating what God has done? Bruce Larson says that grimness is not a Christian virtue. Grimness is not a Christian virtue. There are no sad saints. If God really is the center of one's life and being, joy is inevitable. If we have no joy, we have missed the heart of the good news. Wow. So what do people see when they look at a genuine believer? They see the peace of Christ. They see the word of Christ. And they see thankfulness. They see our example of a life of Christ. Recap, because a believer isn't just someone with a new club membership or a new name, there's someone who has put on Christ. They become a new creation. They experience a metamorphosis. Their internal qualities are transformed. Callousness has become compassion. Selfishness has become kindness. Pride, humility, anxiety into patience, bitterness into forgiveness. We are all together clothed in love. And this is going to bubble out of us. And our outer garments are going to become peace in Christ. The word of Christ and the life of Christ all over us. So I've got two challenges for you tonight. The first one is to memorize a Bible verse this week and apply it. Hide God's word in your heart. But don't let it stay there. Memorize a Bible verse and apply it. And the second challenge I've got for you, and they could go hand in hand, is to make a 22-day commitment of reading through Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is broken into 22, I don't know, four or five verse chunks. Sometimes longer, sometimes shorter. 
make a 22-day commitment to read through Psalm 119. The whole psalm is about how incredible God's word is. It goes by many names, commands, precepts, law, but it's God's word. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for the peace of Christ that reigns in believers. I thank you, Lord, that what you have done on the inside comes out, and it comes out of how we speak and how we act. The peace in us is visible. Your word in our lives is visible. Walking in harmony with you is visible. We have put off our old ways, and we put on Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for this transformation that has happened in many in this room. And if there are anyone in here that does not know you, Lord, go after them. Let them not know peace until they know the Prince of Peace. Dog them down with the hounds of heaven. Lord, and I pray that they will recognize the sin that has separated them from you, that they will feel the weight and the guilt of that sin, and they will know exactly where to turn to a loving God who has reached out and offered forgiveness and love and peace. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in this place. We surrender it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening, and a special thanks to all of you who have subscribed, shared episodes, and left reviews. If you would like to learn more about Elevate, you can visit us at iloveelevate.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for everything you do that brings faith, hope, and love to the world around you. Now go, Follow Jesus.